Okay, cool. So, hello world. I'm Avichai Nissenbaum, co-founder and partner at Lul Ventures. Um, and uh, today, I'm excited to discuss a variety of topics ranging from uh, Wing Ventures investment strategy, the impact of COVID-19, and the differences between leading an A round in an Israeli company and an American company. I'm here today with Jake Flamenberg, partner at Wing Ventures. Hey, Jake, it's great to have you here at Lul Podcast, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Avichai. Cool. You know, we're excited to kick off this series of conversation to help create a, a bridge for Israeli founders who aspire to fundraise from high-profile U.S. investors. Being the Israel seed fund, you know, we clearly focus on taking our companies to the next stage with U.S. investors, okay? Um, before we jump into, you know, the conversation and, and you know, Q&A, I always like to do a quick uh, layups to get the juices flowing. So are you game for a lightning round? Let's do it. <laughs> the surprise, right? Uh, skiing or snowboarding? Skiing. Cool. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Tequila or beer? Beer. YouTube or Netflix? Netflix. Spring or summer? Spring. Enterprise or consumer? Enterprise. I like that. Apple or Tesla? Ooh, Apple. It's a tough one. Oh. <laughs> okay, now that we've warmed up and ready to go, let's jump right in, okay? So, Jake, could, could you share with us uh, and with the audience, like, uh, what's uh, Wing's investment strategy? And, and if at all, did COVID-19 change the strategy? Yeah, sure, sure, Avichai. Um, and, you know, when we describe ourselves, we, we say that we invest in early stage companies that are powering the modern enterprise. And that, that phrase, modern enterprise, what we mean by that is an agile workplace built on data powered by AI. Um, and, and I'll sort of unpack uh, all of that. Um, and, and would say that like the built on data part and the powered by AI, I think has been consistent. Um, the definition of what an agile workplace is has certainly been put to the test uh, over the past year in the global pandemic. Uh, I'm sure you know, we, we announced that I invested in a company called Tori. Uh, it's a mostly Israel based company. I haven't met any of the founders in person yet. You know, that is, that is different. That is not, you know, the way we did business before. Um, it's, it's a change. It's maybe, it's hopefully a similar investment, but a, a, a different situation. And, you know, when we talk about the agile workplace, you know, smarter and newer models of work that are more, more flexible, um, more fulfilling. Um, we wrote that when we thought that that would be done out of, uh, you know, uh, a desire uh, as opposed to a need. And it, and it certainly become the latter, right? Like it's become a need. It's, it's, it's put a new, renewed focus on uh, certain types of investments that facilitate the office of the future. But, but more broadly, as AI sort of reshapes the applications that, that people use, it, it, it too will also transform the way people do their jobs, right? Um, and so maybe, maybe it slightly expanded the definition of what we invest in and how we have to practice in this interesting time. Um, but you know, by and large, I think it's, it's been the same. Um, I, many people would have predicted that the pandemic would have slowed down venture investing. I, I think it's 
been totally not the case. If, if anything, maybe the opposite. There's too many people with too much time on their hands and too many Zoom meetings to fit in. Um, but, um, you know, I think in many ways, it's, it's, we're, we're fortunate and blessed and it's business as usual. And so I spend, you know, the vast majority of my time thinking about the same things, the same sorts of companies and, and how can data and AI uh, empower uh, people to make better, smarter decisions. Cool, cool. That, that's interesting. So yeah, we, we also obviously have done a lot of uh, Zoom meetings and actually also invested in companies without meeting them first. But, you know, we try to have a meeting, you know, right after if we can. Um, it's interesting. So, so do you, are you saying that you are now developing skills to analyze people through a 1024 by 768 pixel screen? Is that, as all this, the screen, those are the, the, the skills you're developing right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're forced to do that, right? You're gonna, we're going to have to form an opinion of them. Maybe you're going to do some some more background homework on who they are and do a few extra reference checks. But um, you know, by and large, you might be talking about driving a couple hours and getting together in Israel. The for for some of these companies, the closest person is 2,500 miles away, mm-hmm. um, right? And and so that's just that's just hard with the with the pandemic. Um, and so you have to form. Uh, trust, uh, learn about people. And then I think like the, the even harder part than just understanding who someone is, is a build relationship with someone through these pixels, right? Like that, that is hard. That is new. That is, you know, that's not the way that business arrangements uh, of, of great importance have uh, historically been done. That's a, that's a change. Right, right. So, so the, the human, the human race is going through an evolution right now. That's hopefully for the better we'll see right right yeah cool so so i mean you've shared wing strategy i mean what's your like your your personal approach and what what areas are you personally into these days or otherwise what what really makes you tick in a deal like in from a personal perspective not just yeah perspective well, look, I mean, there's a lot of things I care about. I, I, as I mentioned before, a lot about data and, and the power of AI and ML sort of transforming uh, an industry or a space, right? And that can be on a spectrum of insights to, to automation um, that can help people make, as I said, better, smarter, faster uh, decisions and sort of unburden them in many cases from a lot of the, the more repetitive work and enable them to do uh, a lot of the higher value, more cerebral work. What do, what do I look for? Um, you know, First of all, I'll look in almost any space, right? There's a lot of things that we understand very well, core IT, core security. A lot of uh, the impact of AI, and let's take something like computer vision, the impact of that is not going to be in the bowels of the data centers, in the real world. Uh, and these companies that are out in the real world are going to have slightly different needs and challenges. The, the way that, you know, like who these buyers are, how you approach sales cycle is, that might be a little different than, you know, the majority of the, the enterprise software companies that, that people are used to investing in. That's fine. Um, and, you know, what do, how, how do I look at a deal? Well, you know, first of all, we're, we're often still... And, you know, we do series A's, but we're investing before it's obvious. That can be before their customers. It can be before there's, there's, there's revenue. We're partnering with a, a small number of founders and, and, and sticking with them, right, throughout the lifetime of the journey. And, and, and the names of these rounds, the letters of the rounds, are, they're, they're constantly moving. And, and so it's hard to say, like, hey, seed A, you know, what, what, is, the, what is the A today? It'll probably be 
the B of uh, maybe five years ago. And, and so what is it that gets me excited? It has to start with the team. Everything starts with the team. You know, you go to business school and you learn these uh, team technology, traction, market, all these, all these ways to analyze. Nothing matters except the team. Um, they usually start an insight on the market need and, and why they're uniquely qualified to solve that. So, you, you know, they've seen a pain, they have an appreciation for it, and hopefully they have some sort of superpower. And, and so when I think about what I want to do, what I want to figure out, um, is this team special? Are they people I can see myself being in business with and, and hopefully helping along the way? And, and then what's the product? How does it fit into the ecosystem? And not a whole lot else really matters to me until I understand these two things. I don't want to talk about your AI algorithms. I don't want to talk about your commercial. Um, I, I just want to, to understand the people and, and then the product. That's that, the, the people part, I think, is pretty generic. A lot of people would say that. The product part, that's that that's who I am. I'm a product guy at heart. I, I, I can't really get on with the show uh, until I understand that part of the puzzle. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, you know, obviously the same. I mean, people are the driving force behind any company. Um, but, but when you go past the people and product, I mean, um, do you guys look for, uh, let's talk about Series A, for instance. Okay. You guys, you guys seek for, again, I, I know that the letters don't matter anymore, but uh, assume it's a company that already raised some money and built some product, okay? And so at that stage, are you looking for product market fit? I mean, how do you define product market fit? Um, you know, are you looking for good unit economics? I mean, what, what are the- Yeah, I mean- I, the team thing, you know, and the product. Yeah, uh, again, the, it, it's hard to pin these things on letters these days and, and things are moving around just, just so much. But um, mm -hmm. what I really look to understand is the quality and the nature of the progress that's being made, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's more than just beyond the go-to-market. It's the team. Who are you recruiting to the team? Are you recruiting people that are going to make enduring contributions that, that have a chance to, to maybe grow? How many people can actually grow over the course of a company that's scaling 10, 20, 100x, right? How many people have the, the mental agility and capacity to, to go on a journey like that? And are you hiring people that, that will scale in that way? Not, not, not so much what are the economics of the business, but what is it that the customers are going to say, right? It's always very curious to me when, when people are running these processes, oh, I'll introduce you to the customers at the end. Oh, send over a term sheet and you can verify with the customers. You know, it's, I have to start with the customers. I have to hear from the protagonist what's, what's going on. Um, and, and revenue is a lagging indicator, right? The value that people are getting out of the product on a, on a daily basis, that's, that's really what I want to hear about and understand uh, the revenue, the gross margin, you know, these are things that uh, the unit economics that um, make sense and are important as, as we get towards scale. Uh, I, I think the, there's been a whole class of investors that are, have been trained to be metrics only investors. And they have a lot of hangups when you bring them down to the, the early stages because the metrics don't always necessarily make sense. Right. That's that's not the basis of uh, of investing. Right. Like that has to be a part of the future story. And you have to have a, a belief system and an understanding system of what's possible and that a service oriented business isn't going to command the same ultimate gross margin structure as a as a pure software business, perhaps. And and, and that's OK. 
Cool. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. So, so you know, if I recap, you know, team, 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 team is very important, you know, and the, the quality you look for, are, you know, the, uh, the, the product understanding and the ability to scale. And then it's about the product fit and, 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 or getting, getting really confident about the product. And, and one of the areas you will drill into would be to talk to a few customers to get a feel of that. Right, yeah, look, real measures of product market fit. There's companies that are 10 million of ARR that don't have, you know, wouldn't necessarily meet my definition of product market fit. There's uh, an amazing salesperson can sell an awful lot of stuff, even if there, if, even if there isn't true product market fit. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Would you apply different? Um, I mean, would you would you lower your bar or change your criteria? You know, if if it was uh, you know different verticals, like like you know, say say it's like I know you guys invested in like a robotics company and more deep tech type companies. Uh, is there anything different in your thinking process there, or it again the same? Um, you know, maybe just a little bit. Um, you can think about what's a vertical or what what's further afield in in many different ways, right? When I think about verticals. I think about internal and external. So internal from a wing perspective, what do I know about this vertical? What do we know about this vertical? Are we, are we experts in this vertical? How quickly can we ramp up? We can ramp up on, on, on many verticals quickly. There's some things we're willing to, to tolerate. You know, how does the, 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 the selling cycle work inside a warehouse? There's other things that it, historically we've been uncomfortable with, things that required government approval. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to predict how those things break uh, sometimes. So how prepared are we? Um, and, and then what's different about this market, right? We're going to look for the same things in the, in the, in the founders, but like, do, do we understand the pain? Do we understand the players? Do we understand what's different about the go-to-market motion, um, et cetera? And, and, and what we see in that world and what we know about ourselves, you know, maybe on the margin that changes what we look for a little bit, maybe in a certain field we'd want uh, a click more evidence on, on, on some dimension, whether that's the technology working or the go-to-market working at an incremental stage more. Um, but, you know, I'd say these, these are 10, 15% things. These aren't sort of fundamentally different uh, requirements at the end of the day. Cool, cool. So let's move to the, to the billion dollar unicorn question here that Israeli founders I'm sure are, are interested to hear. Um, do, you, do you see any differences between you know, Israeli founders and American founders? Uh, if so, how, how would you describe those differences? I mean, yeah. in the light of Israeli founders that wanna approach an American leading VC like yourself, um, you know, how is it seen from the other side? That's my question. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a delicate question, Avichai, and so I will try to do my best to generalize as opposed to stereotype. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. you, you know, the Israeli founders on, on, on average just have a tremendous amount of, of perseverance. You know, the, the, these are people on average that, that never give up. They can run through brick walls or up you know, all sorts of odd hours to communicate statewide when they need to. And you really, you really see that, you really see almost more of that. There, there's, there's, there's some folks in other places where I, I would say sort of having a startup is, it's, it's more of a game. It's not a way of life. 
you know, like they're, they're going to start something and they, they think maybe they'll sell it in a couple of years and it'll be fun, right? It's not this, it's nothing that they have to do that has to succeed. And the Israeli entrepreneurs very often bring uh, the, this perseverance to the table. Um, you know, what does that mean? Um, I, I think it, it, it means, you know, 80%, none of that's just wonderful. Uh, on, on the margin, you, you know, the founder, the Israeli founder, sometimes I think they can be in the weeds on, on everything a little bit more. Um, things that are harder to measure, you know, maybe initial marketing and in, in materials like this come a little less, less naturally. Um, some of the, the conversations and getting to know uh, one another are, or maybe a hair more curt um, than than with others. Um, but these are all again in, in sort of small doses and 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 degrees. And and, and I think the world is getting, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the right metaphor is. It's coming a lot closer together. Um, and I think these the, these differences, if anything, are diminishing uh, rapidly um, uh, over the past couple of years. Right, right. Uh, you know, going back to Zoom, Zoom flattens the world, right? Or, or makes it a unified community, as, as you say. Uh, yeah. But, but so, so, yeah, to, to your comments, I fully subscribe to, to the, call it the fighter approach, you know, not, not letting go. And I think, you know, in my view, that, that's, as you said, you know, it's, it's a great uh, quality because, I mean, research has shown that conviction uh, is, is, you know, one of the qualities of good founders. Uh, I also subscribe to the, um, you know, um, to the question on, on, on marketing, etc. cetera. Uh, so on that front and being a founder myself and, you know, having pitched to US investors myself in the past and got some feedback, and, and having seen a lot of founders and how they pitch in Israel and, and obviously to, to American investors as well, I, I would say that uh, Israelis are also strong on the tech side and tend to spend more time on the tech side rather than, you know, the business, um, you know, growth or the, the marketing business positioning, etc. cetera. Uh, would you subscribe to that? Have you seen some of that? Do you think it's uh, good, it's bad? Yeah, I, I mean, look again. It's it, it's certainly not something that's true all all the time on the margin. Yes, um, you know. But that said, Wing invests early. We invest mostly in uh, tech-oriented founders, and the difference between you know two security entrepreneurs coming out of Israel and two PhD students coming out of Stanford, um, they're both going to do the things you described. They're going to they're they're going to see the the skills that they have, which are tech deep and, and go to market poor, and they're going to over rotate on the things that they, they know better. Right. Um, uh, and that's okay. And it, the thing that really probably matters the most in the very, very early days is the product. Right. And uh, the importance is the, the, the self-awareness or knowing when to get help um, and not getting help too late. Right. Yeah. I think that's definitely important. Uh, yeah. Again, as a founder, um, you know, you want somebody next to you that can help on those topics and kind of provide the, let's call it the mirror to, to the situation and, and knowing you, I know you guys do that. So, so that's definitely, that's definitely, um, a way to go around that. I mean, just to touch back again on the points you made, uh, on the convictions and, and, uh, you know, we just, we just saw in the news this morning that, uh, my heritage, uh, Gilad Yefe, the CEO, uh, company was just acquired by Francisco partners for half a billion. Okay. 
And, and it's a beginning of a new journey. It's not just an exit. And, and I, knowing Gilad for years, when I started my company, Yeda, which we sold to AOL, he started the company. And in those days, he couldn't you know, find investors to invest in the company. And he actually took a mortgage on his apartment. Okay? And so this is a kind of conviction that you see happening here. Okay? Um, and so, yeah. And on, on the other side, on, on the focus on marketing and scale, I mean, there's a, there's a whole new generation of companies which are creating new startups now, the likes of uh, Wix, Fiverr, and others, which are, you know, growth, uh, Lemonade, you know, growth, uh, product market fit, growth marketing kind of a driving company. And that's, that's obviously, you know, the, the new generation, the new breed of founders have, you know, a lot of more uh, appreciation and focus on these topics. So I'm, you know. Yeah, we're, look, look, I mean, there's, at writ large, I, I sort of try to, try to divide the world into a number of buckets that, that have, they have to fit on my fingers because, you know, I'm a venture capitalist, I can't keep track of too many things. Um, and when I think of enterprise companies, I think of sales led. Right, that's the the motion that I think we all grew up with. That's how enterprise works. We have a uh, product led, um, and these are these are products that can be self adopted. They sell themselves to uh, a certain extent, and and now customer led, right? And 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 these are things where the the referrals and the the participation in the community is super important to. Uh, how products get adopted, and uh, I don't. I don't think anything is disappearing, but the problem is definitely swinging, right? And it used to be almost exclusively enterprise-led, and now we've seen this tremendous shift towards uh, some of the models. And I think that's that's here to stay. And, and I think that that actually sort of favors the the technologists, entrepreneurs, in terms of getting started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at a company like Monday, you know, it's a product driven growth and, and an amazing one, you know, organic and referral based. So uh, absolutely. Um, cool. So let, let's go back to the to the Israeli founder. Let's, let's assume they just raised their seed, you know, um, you know, or pre-seed or whatever it is. And, you know, they're at a stage where, where, where you feel comfortable, you know, there's already a product, there's a couple of customers, you know, what advice would you give them? to be prepared to raise their yep. A round or their next round or whatever it is in the US, okay? Yeah, um, well, the advice has changed a little. One of, the, one of the biggest questions you'd have to deal with immediately is, are you moving to the US? And um, mm -hmm. that, that, that's at least on pause for a while. And, and to me, that's a question of whether the US is a, is a core go-to-market market, right? Where, where are you gonna do a lot of business there? Not just whether you have a, uh, a lot of talent to hire there, but whether you're gonna really build a big go-to-market uh, there and monetize there. The answer um, for many companies uh, has, has been yes to that. Uh, to a few have just been more global out of the gate and they've had the luxury of a, a little bit more uh, choice, if, if you will. And so, you know, figuring that out is, is, is super important. Um, and then the other two things I would probably mention are, are one, uh, awareness and self-awareness uh, when it comes to team development. 
And what I, when I specifically mean is, is I think people are going to over-rotate on any hire you make in the U.S. If you're going to talk to a U.S. investor, um, they're going to probably be a little bit inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt on the hires that you're making in Israel. And they're probably going to you know, scrutinize the hires that you're making in, in the U.S. You're probably going to be thinking about making the market hires in the U.S. And just understanding who, who these people are uh, and being eyes wide open about what you need and what you're getting, right? Is this, uh, is this the evangelical sales are opening up the market for you? Um, or is this the, um, the tree of worldwide sales? You see a lot of title inflation games and, and other things like this played around. Who are you putting on your team and how are you going about it? And do you have the awareness of what skills they do have, what skills they don't have? And be able to have a transparent conversation about that. So that's one thing. And, and, and then the other thing is, is, is really just building relationships in advance. And, and so I sort of joke, uh, getting out of a relationship with a venture capitalist is tougher than getting out of a relationship with your spouse. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very hard thing to do once the, once the relationship is legally consummated. Um, and, and, and so there, there's a lot of folks who treat fundraising as a month endeavor, right? Ready, set, go. Um, and uh, I, I would hope for uh, Israeli entrepreneurs, particularly ones that are making the move from the Israel to the U.S., that they take a time, the time to, to get to know uh, a few folks, not 100 folks, not 20 folks, half a dozen folks. Um, you know, th these are people, it's, it's, it's a small world. Um, you, you can probably get in touch with them. You can probably you know, reach out through yourself, right, and get to almost anyone you need. And, and just start building the relationship a little bit in it doesn't have to be about slide decks and emails of, of the company, but it's just putting that into place, I think will make it a much more natural and an easier transition when you do, when it does come time to fundraise. And um, I see some people doing this. I see uh, people not doing that. It's, it, it's okay. Um, but um, it, particularly if you're concerned about how to, how to fundraise, if you're going to do it right, if you're going to find the right long-term partner, and invest a little time up front. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So coffee over Zoom, is that, you know, is streaming coffee over Zoom, is that, you know, it does yeah, start- coffee, whiskey, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the timing works out. Yeah, here's a new startup for us, you know, that's going to be huge. <laughs> cool. Um, so what, what's, let's take it from the other side. What, what's a big no-no? What, 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 what bad behaviors of founders have you seen in this process? Um, I don't have a tremendous number of, of huge turnoffs. I, I, I have an order of operations in terms of how I, I like to learn. And if I make those clear, I, I, I sort of like when, the, when that order of operations is is respected. It makes my life easier. I understand that there might be sensitivity around customer conversations and, and, and I'm happy to work on, on topics like that. So uh, following the order of operations. And then the only other thing is just being transparent, right? Um, at the end of the day, I, I very much understand that um, the founders have a, a, an obligation on, on all levels to get the company funded and ha have to do what's in, in their best interest. But uh, I, it's also not like a single, single round negotiation, right? A lot of these relationships exist and persist for a long time. And just being transparent and candid with, 
where where you're at making accurate representations um there's 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 nothing worse than than going uh through a whole bunch of work and, and finding that a representation in terms of a uh a fundraising situation or a customer situation is 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 it's not like it's not stretched but it's just like you know it, it's incorrect it's inaccurate that's 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 the biggest no-no I'd, I'd much rather you come fundraise, you know, with 50% less ARR than, than, than show up with a, a, a one-time deal that you are insistent is, is, is ARR, right? You know, there's, and that's, you know, more on a spectrum, but, but, but that's where you can break a, a little bit of trust. And, and when that trust gets broken, uh, n- not a lot else matters. Yeah, that perfectly makes sense. I mean, we, I, I thought you about the the ebooks we we publish the how to raise a seed ebook and we, we have a whole chapter on on the process of in, you know engaging with the VC and how you know working at the rhythm of the VC and actually delivering what's being asked um, is so important you know and you know because because that that's the first uh, I mean you cross the first bar there's an interest and continuing to build the trust is the trust is so, so important at that stage and so. Uh, I fully agree with, with what you're saying. Um, so, I'm, you know, moving to another topic, I mean, you, you obviously run a, quite a few boards. Uh, you're part of a lot of board members, uh, board, uh, you know, uh, companies, boards. Um, um, you know, we'll have, uh, give us a couple of tips of, on, on, you know, how to perfectly execute on a board. I mean, what's, what's, what's going well, what's going? Yeah. I think running a board meeting well and getting a lot of value out of a board meeting is one of the hardest things for a founder to do, even more so for a first-time founder. And, and this is something um, that, that, that's always a work on pro- in, in progress, even in my own companies. And I don't know, I, I don't think anyone really gets an A plus um, <laughs> here. What is, what is like, What's a, what's a perfectly executed board meeting? Well, first of all, I'll tell you what it's not. You know, it's not this sort of death march through 75 slides of status and 12-point fonts where, you know, you're, you're, you're reading off every little thing that's going on at the company. That's, that's, that's not helpful to you as a founder. And, and believe it or not, that's not helpful to me. You know, like, that's not what I want to do. That's not how, how, how I want to spend my day. And, and I usually tell founders that, hey, listen, like there's some things we have to do. There's some elements of governance. We're going to improve, approve option pool increases or option grants and uh, fiscal operating plans for the year. But for the most part, a board meeting should be for you uh, as the operator, as, as the founder, as the CEO. And how should you get the most out of the board? Well, one, you should tell people in advance what we're going to talk about. Um, you should offer them the opportunity to have input. Two, you should share the materials that we're going to review far enough in advance. And I know this can be challenging, but it's reasonable to set an expectation uh, that the board is going to review them. So that's not, you know, that's not midnight the night before. It's not 8 a.m. the day of. That's you know, 48, 72 hours in advance um, where we can remove the the material. And here's here's the hard part. Here's the thing that like, no matter how many times you say, um, it's very hard to get people to do. I I personally don't want to walk through all your slides. You know, I read them before. 
uh, if I have questions, I can ask them. Uh, if there's a few things that we need to present, that's great. But I want to pre-read the information and find out what's on your mind. Like, what are the two or three topics of discussion that we can actually go deep, actually have a conversation, actually reach some productive conclusions, actually be helpful to the founder? And that in practice is, is a challenging thing to, to, to do right. And so at, at the end of the day, a, a perfect board meeting is one in which the founder would go right afterwards. Okay, we really unpack these two topics. I really feel like I got a lot of insight, a lot of value out of that. And I know what I'm going to go do next. That to me would be a perfect board meeting. Cool, cool. Yeah, this is really smart advice. And, and it is challenging to... You know, I see it also on, on our portfolio companies and having been there too, it's always, you know, crunch to the last minute to, you know, to get stuff uh, prepared for the board. Uh, but again, fr from a perspective, it's so important that, that you know, you share it ahead of time. And, and I urge all my CEOs to have a one-on-one -on -one before the board, you know, especially when it's a, you know, it's a big strategic discussion or something like that. Uh, to get the input and get you know projects yeah. ahead of time, so it doesn't. That, become, uh... That's that's a great point, which which sort of ties into another sort of implicit rule: no surprises. Yeah. Um, if you're having a board meeting, there probably shouldn't be any huge surprises, either to the negative, which would be really bad, or even to the positive. There's just there's just no need. Like you know, you should be in communication with the board members, so they shouldn't be finding out some shocking piece of information in the middle of a board meeting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so I, I'm sure you also spend, uh, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one time with your CEOs. Like, I mean, I, I find that that uh, having a, uh, you know, non-official discussion, like more casual discussion and things when they want to get advice, is very helpful to them. I wish I had that when I was a founder. Obviously, um, I mean, in, any particular notes on that kind of an engagement? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's very founder specific, and and I work with um, young first time founders, and I work with people that might be first time founders, but have you know run uh, in teams of thousands, right, at, at very large companies, and so there's there's a lot of different backgrounds and skill sets, and there's some people. I think I'd be kidding myself if I was going to say, "Hey, you you need to spend an hour with me every week." You know, like I, I don't uh, I don't think it'd be necessarily a productive use of of of, of their time. Um, and so a lot of it is right sizing to what what would be helpful um, to to each individual founder, um, and then you know what are the right topics of conversation. Again, if it just evolves into a status report, it's it's no good. Uh, it, it's more, you know, like what's on my mind. And again, there can't be more than uh, five things. And one of them is always going to be recruiting. And, and what are the one or two things that, that, that's on the founder's mind? And, and how do we talk through that? And, and so well, a lot of my founders, every, every other week, you know, we're, we're getting together. Sometimes it's, it's, it's different or less frequent or more frequent, depending on, on the situation. But um, again, particularly in, in, in this time, uh, a, a little bit of that dedicated space is, 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 is I think good. And, and again, if customer or other urgent things come up, uh, no, no one's offended if it has to take a back seat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, cool, so, so you know, you're putting a lot of um, focus on team and, and hiring in your strategy. So, so you care to give us like your thoughts about hiring, like what are the top three guidelines, you know, that, that you would, you know, give a founder on, on that topic. 
Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people fundamentally in many respects don't know what they need uh, and they don't know when they need it, particularly if you're a first-time founder. Average first-time founder, technologist, uh, probably not going to be involved in an interview loop to hire uh, uh, an engineer, right? Like they, they, they know how to do that. Many of them have, have been engineering leaders and like probably wouldn't need me to, to necessarily weigh in on an engineering leader, right? But a, a, a lot of times the technical co-founders are like, oh, I need, I need go to market. I need go to market help. Like, what is that? Um, and you know, they'll throw titles around VP marketing, VP sales. Whoa. What, what is that? What, what are their roles? What are the responsibilities? Um, is that what you need? And, and, and what does good look like? What does good look like? So uh, a step that is just so often uh, just skipped entirely is calibration. Um, and, you know, I won't go into too much detail about like all the wing operating partners. We have a recruiting operating partner, a marketing operating partner, a research operating partner, a customer network operating partner. And we try to work in a model where we can, uh, and at a scale where we can deploy these resources to help and, and right. And, and, and so when we go to the, the recruiting side, I think it's super important to show you what greatness is. And so anytime we're going to do uh, a go-to-market hire, we'll call it a VP of marketing or VP of sales. Before we're going to even let you sort of finish writing a spec, we want to put you in touch with three or four people that are beyond the budget which you could hire them. They're like, they, they are for a slightly larger scale, uh, a slightly larger level of sophistication, and these are A-plus players. Um, and we want you to not to try to hire them, want you to try to learn from them, right? What does great look like? What exactly do you need today? Um, and that informs uh, the, the things that actually go into the job spec. And then um, when people start hiring, it's just amazing how, uh, in, in some sense, like self-centered they can get at times. It's like, this is like what we need for the company. This is what I need for me. Um, and, you know, this is, this is sales, right? Like it's at least percent sales out of the gate to understand like, what is, what is this person on the other side of the, the table need? Uh, what's the plan uh, for them? Uh, it's, it's, it has to be, particularly for these first go-to-market people, it's probably a selling exercise first or at least in equal measure uh, to how much of it is, is a buying exercise. And I often find that um, th this point is lost on people and they think it's, you know, 90% buy uh, and maybe 10% sell uh, at, at the end. And then it's just about how to run a good process, right? Like, what do you want to get out of each meeting? What do you want to get out of each step of the way? Uh, actually doing references. And so there's just a whole lot of blocking and, and, and tackling and, and perspectives, uh, particularly as you build out the functions in which you don't have... Uh, you know, deep functional experience. Um, and I, I think it's an area where, where, where venture firms should absolutely be supporting the founders to not, not do it for them, but to make sure they're fully equipped with the tools that they, they need to be successful. And, and I think uh, even if you have done it a couple of times, I think there's a lot of, a lot of value in the support system to do it even better. Cool, cool. That's, that's really great advice. Uh, I mean, the role model approach, like getting them in front of the role model, in my view, is, uh, yeah, is a winner. I mean, that's great advice, Jake. So, Jake, listen, it, it's been real pleasure, you know, to have you on, on the show. Thank you for making the time. And uh, Absolutely. Sure. And, and, you know, to our listeners, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, for more conversations like this, if you want to learn about how to raise your next round, in the US from a leading investor, leading VC like Jake, 
you know, follow us on Spotify, Clubhouse at Little Ventures, and see you next time.